Good morning from San Francisco. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Friday, April 12th. In today's news, Julian Assange was indicted on a narrow charge of hacking just before the statute of limitations ran out. Senate Republicans torpedo Herman Cain's nomination to the Federal Reserve, and an Israeli spacecraft crashes into the moon. But first, the big idea. White House officials have tried to pressure U.S. immigration authorities to release detainees onto the streets of sanctuary cities to retaliate against President Trump's political adversaries, according to multiple Department of Homeland Security officials and email messages obtained by The Washington Post. Trump administration officials have proposed transporting detained immigrants to sanctuary cities at least twice in the past six months, once in November as a migrant caravan approached the southern border, and again in February amid a standoff with Democrats over funding for Trump's border wall. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's district in San Francisco was among those the White House wanted to target, according to DHS officials. The attempt at political retribution raised alarm within ICE, with a top official responding that it was rife with budgetary and liability concerns and noting that there are PR risks as well. After the White House pushed again in February, ICE's legal department rejected the idea as inappropriate. A White House official and a spokesman for DHS sent nearly identical statements to the Post last night, indicating that the proposal is no longer under consideration. Two DHS officials were so alarmed, though, that they independently went to Congress to blow the whistle on what was happening. One of those whistleblowers spoke with the Post's Rachel Bade, and several DHS officials subsequently confirmed the accounts to Nick Muroff, who covers ICE for us full-time. The insiders say there were two versions of the plan being considered. One was to move migrants who were already in ICE detention to the districts of Democratic opponents. The second option was to take buses full of migrants who were apprehended at the border to sanctuary cities and then dropping them off on the streets of places like New York City and Chicago. Senior Trump advisor Stephen Miller discussed the proposal with ICE, according to two DHS officials. Matthew Albentz, who is ICE's acting deputy director, immediately questioned the proposal in November. Albentz declined to comment yesterday, but issued a statement through a spokesman acknowledging that there was a discussion about the proposal. DHS officials say the proposal resurfaced during the shutdown talks three months later when Albentz brought the idea from the White House to ICE attorneys seeking a legal review that ultimately doomed the proposal. Now, this is notable because Albentz will take over ICE today as acting director because Trump rescinded the nomination of Ron Vidiello last week. Trump said Vidiello wasn't tough enough for him, despite a decorated 30-year career in law enforcement. It's unclear how long Albentz will stay in this leadership role. Trump hasn't named a new permanent director. Albentz attracted some notoriety last summer when he testified on Capitol Hill that what ICE calls family residential centers, where families are being held, are, quote, more like a summer camp. Pelosi's office this morning is calling the rebuffed proposal to dump busloads of immigrants in her district despicable. The speaker spokeswoman says that, quote, the extent of this administration's cynicism and cruelty cannot be overstated. Pelosi says Trump uses human beings, including little children, as pawns in a warped game to perpetuate fear and demonize immigrants. 
And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar this Friday. Number one, yesterday's bombshell indictment of Julian Assange narrowly focuses on his alleged efforts to hack a Pentagon computer. This is an attempt by the Justice Department to avoid accusations of infringing on the First Amendment, which kept the Obama administration from charging the WikiLeaks founder. American officials debated bringing charges against Assange almost from the moment in 2010 that WikiLeaks dumped onto the internet a massive trove of classified documents, including internal State Department communications and even assessments of suspected terrorists at Guantanamo Bay. But through the years, the case languished. Some prosecutors reasoned that Assange was arguably a publisher, if a capricious one, concerned that proving a criminal case against him would run up against the First Amendment and, if successful, set a dangerous precedent for future media prosecutions, the Obama administration chose to put the case aside. Then, Jeff Sessions became attorney general. Under the federal law governing computer crimes, prosecutors faced a deadline to file charges within eight years of the disclosures that put him in their crosshairs. The single-count indictment that was unsealed in Alexandria yesterday shows that they did so just before the deadline. The indictment accuses Assange of conspiring to help former Army intelligence analyst Chelsea Manning crack a password so that she could log on to a Defense Department computer anonymously. The indictment does not include evidence that Assange and Manning ever succeeded. Analysts say focusing narrowly on that incident is a deft way of fending off criticism that the case puts news organizations in legal jeopardy. Following Assange's arrest, Trump attempted to distance himself from WikiLeaks, which he repeatedly praised in October 2016 after the website posted hacked emails from the DNC and Hillary Clinton's campaign chairman, John Podesta. Yesterday, Trump said in the Oval Office, quote, I know nothing about WikiLeaks. It's not my thing. By NBC's tally, Trump mentioned WikiLeaks 141 times at 56 events during the final month of the campaign. He often used the word love to describe his feelings toward the site. Number two, at least four Senate Republicans have indicated opposition to Herman Cain joining the Federal Reserve Board, effectively sinking his nomination and signaling growing GOP unease about Trump's efforts to remake the Fed and monetary policy. A strong ally of the president, Kevin Kramer from North Dakota joined three other Republicans, Mitt Romney, Lisa Murkowski, and Cory Gardner, in announcing opposition to Kane's appointment. Kramer cited the multiple women who have publicly accused Kane of sexual harassment and expressed eagerness to testify before the Senate Banking Committee, a spectacle that Senate Republicans have been eager to avoid. As word of the backlash moved through the White House late Thursday, the long odds of confirmation became clear. It also became increasingly likely that Kane will not be formally nominated by Trump because the Senate support never materialized. Referencing Kane's pithy tax proposal from when he ran for president in 2012, Trump recently told top military leaders that they need to come up with their own 999 plan to address the situation at the border. Here's a surreal scene. Multiple sources who were in the room told my colleagues. Trump was meeting with generals and other military leaders for a meeting about securing the border with Mexico. They were in the White House Situation Room. An aide passed Trump a note informing him that Kane was in the building. Trump summoned Kane to join the meeting. Then he told the brass that they need to come up with their own 999 plan. The joke, if you can call it that, fell flat. Number three, 
NASA published the results of a multi-year twins study with astronauts Scott Kelly and his twin brother Mark, who's now a Senate candidate in Arizona. Scott spent a year on the International Space Station while Mark remained on Earth's surface. Researchers who compared the health of the identical twins found that while in space, Scott's body showed changes in gene expression and a heightened immune system as if it were under attack. That continued after he got back to Earth. The researchers say the twins' study turned up no showstoppers, no shocking health consequences that would surely prevent a human mission to Mars or some similar mission. But the report shows anew that the human body is adapted for life on the surface of Earth and goes haywire in zero gravity. Shortly after the study dropped, there was another reminder of how hard space travel is. An Israeli spacecraft crashed into the moon's surface. Israel had hoped to become the fourth country to ever land something on the moon, but an engine failure caused the mission to go awry in its final minutes. And that's The Daily 202 for Friday, April 12th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. Have a great weekend. I'll talk to you on Monday.